Dirt Alert. And the old hook, by the way. We're repurposing this one. It was posted earlier in the year, but now it's become Chapter 11, uh, Learning from Financial Failure. From the audiobook, Every Marriage is Flawed. And one way to avoid mistakes is by learning from others. Here you go. Yes. Oh, you ready for some dirt? <laughs> There's going to be... There is going to be some dirt today. Um, I, I, we, you know, we always talk about stronger and better and this and that. And uh, listen, if we're not being real, then we're not learning from our failures. And uh, I'm going to share a big one today. And I might need to break it up in several parts. But first, play of the day, uh, Dr. Loritz again. And just the importance of uh, reviewing game film. That failures, uh, at least for the wise, are not wasted experiences. And uh, if you're wise, you share them. The play. The play is of the day. This is the play of the day. Check this out. Swung on and hit in the air to right. <laughs> and that ball is gone. And, and amen. I played high school football. I wasn't great. I was good enough. Like good enough to get some playing time, to not waste my mom and daddy's time so they could actually come watch their boy actually out there on the field. And one of the things that I picked up on very early uh, playing high school football is no matter how great or how awful we played on Friday, we could always expect to sit down for Monday's practice session and review the tape or the film from the previous Friday. I I can still see my coach with the clicker in hand. Uh, rewinding and commenting and rewinding and commenting and rewinding and commenting to the point where I'm like, just get it over with. Now, now, now I, I initially thought that, that if we played really bad, if we got beat and not just beat, blown out, we, we wouldn't watch the films. I mean, what, what, what's the purpose of it? And, and I soon discovered that we actually spent more time reviewing those defeats than our actual victories. See, our coach operated from the fundamental principle that in life there are no wasted experiences. That you can learn as much from your tragedies as you do your triumphs. You can learn as much from the mountaintop as you do down in the valley. That again, in life, there are no wasted experiences. Now, that's a word for us because many of us are stepping into 2021 and just kind of wiping the sweat off of our proverbial brow and saying, praise God, 2020 is over. Never want to think about that ever again. But Man, love that Dr. Loritz. Uh, If you'd like to hear more, there's a lot more there. We already referenced it uh, on a previous episode. Um, Yeah, it, uh, well, first of all, let me say this. The importance of reviewing game film, whether you are an athlete or not, you play over and over in your head, some of the successes, but yet mainly the failures in your life. And that's a new way to look at the importance of failures, mine included. Now, back to Dr. Loritz, uh, that message is excellent. I'm going to strongly encourage it. So uh, if you want to hear more of that, if that piqued your curiosity, check out the Brian Loritz podcast. By the way, that's Brian with a Y, that tricky Y. That excerpt is from 2020, the year we must never forget published on January 4th, 2021. Okay, back to the dirt. First, notice the tagline of Fry Dudes. Getting real, pursuing truth. And part of getting real 
is talking about what doesn't work in life. And pretending your life is perfect is, well, fake. And as Dr. Loritz astutely points out, the wise will learn from their failures. For the wise, there are no wasted experiences. God will absolutely use your failures if you seek him. If you doubt me on that, check the promise of Romans 8, 28. I recall seeing a recent episode of uh, My 600-Pound Life. And if you're not familiar with that show, it, it follows overweight people trying to get healthier. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, oh, oh I'm, I'm glad I'm not that person. For physical fitness does come easier for me. I, I, I'm wired for it. it. It's one of my gifts. But of course, as God and the Holy Spirit work, a, a, a quick heart check and then a pull. And then it comes to my mind and to my heart. I do have, or at least had, a 600-pound life financially. Uh, uh, truth, by the way, most of us have a 600-pound life somewhere. It could be physically. Or maybe it's debt. Or, or maybe it's a sucky marriage and, and infidelity. Or perhaps it's an addiction to work or to money or to booze, or to porn, or to social media, or politics. Maybe it's anger management, or fill in the blank. Here's my 600 pound life with debt. So some of you have heard of this before, many it's the first time. Um, believe it or not, I actually wrote a book, and if I ever had the guts to publish all of it, I've, I've, I've done it in bits and pieces, and this is one of the chapters. Uh, what to call it? Well, maybe you'll help me get feedback on what to call it. Uh, do as your country does, the American dream debt. Or maybe I was going to call it for rich or for richer, question mark. Or for poor or for poor, question mark. And I guess that's more of a, uh, you know, to, uh, for those that got married, the, the vows that you took. And, and, and how seriously did you take them for richer or for poorer or for sickness and in health? And of course, if you've been listening this long enough, you you know I love to say we're all flawed, Romans 3.23, and I, I, I'm definitely flawed. And for me, it's a freedom verse. For others, they don't like it, but for me, it is a freedom verse. It explains a lot to me. And uh, I, I, not just with me, everyone involved in your life and why they do some things wrong. I am one that definitely got caught up in the ways of the world. Um, both Lori and I worked. And from when I left college... I had earned more money every year. And the more I made, the more I spent. And I will say that we did learn how to live off one income for a while. We did start with two incomes. And once we had kids, things changed. And I'm going to get into that history lesson a little bit, so bear with me, but it all has a point. After our first child, a blessed daughter, was born, she was a daycare kid. And Lori wanted to be a full-time mom and raise her. And, and I, I actually argued with my wife that she should work. Correct. I wanted her to keep working. Not necessarily for what was best for my child. I, I, hey, I was raised on equal rights. Hey, if you went to college, you should work. And, I, and, I, and naively, I was saying, I, well, I don't, I don't want my, my kid to be one of those clingy uh, stay-at-home kids. Plus, truth, I liked the double Income. Pause on the film right there. 
maybe I didn't like it. Maybe I, maybe I loved the double income. And it was more important for me to have more money versus who was raising our kids. Once we had our second kid, by the way, a son, a blessed son, I started doing the math. Daycare costs how much per month? Hey, $1,200 a month is two Hummers or Range Rovers sitting in my driveway. Yeah, I'm, I'm dating myself, and, and, and for those that know, that are old enough, in the early 2000s, Hummers were the ultimate status symbol of self-indulgence. And fuel prices were only about $1.25 a gallon, so hey, who cared about 8 miles per gallon back then? Another major turning point reviewing the film was the daycare provider herself. We had a growing issue of our daughter being bit by a, a certain toddler renegade. After about the fifth bite mark, with a perfectly outlined teeth marked by the way bruise on her little arm, I, I confronted Miss Daycare. I didn't yell and I didn't scream. I handed it civilly, but she was ready for me. She was a veteran. She had heard it before and she will hear it again. It is her business. She simply pulled out the contract and she pointed down to a section and read it out loud. Quote, we the parents agree that our daycare provider is raising our kid, parenthesis kids, during the day, unquote. When I signed the agreement, I didn't really read it in detail. And at first I was taken aback, but after about thinking 10, 15 seconds more, I simply thought, wow, she is right. She is raising our kids. We, we, we drop our daughter at, at 7 a.m. and her son, and we pick them up by, by 6 p.m. We feed them, and then we put them to bed at 8.30. She is raising her and him almost 12 hours per day. We are raising them about two and a half hours per day. Worn down. The daycare had me worn down. Realization fully checked in. The math of two kids in daycare helped take off some of the sting. We would still be losing more income, though, by her leaving her job. But we became a one-income family, nonetheless. Uh, my wife became a full-time mom. And you know what? We survived. And, and not only did we survive, we, we really thrived. And at first, we simply learned to live on less. We spent less. We ate out less. We held off on major purchases. We adjusted, and it ended up not being a pain at all. So here's the key point about the daycare tangent. Full-time parents... You now have my utmost respect. And by the way, our kids turned out to be great. They didn't end up being clingy, stay-at-home kids. And economically, we learned how to live on less. We adjusted. And have you, have you ever noticed that whatever you earn, you spend? At least a lot of you, like me. You know, at least the majority of us. Yes. And to the accountants and the other like minds that can save and budget, I tip my cap to you. A, a major shift in benefit that I did not anticipate settled in. Things were easier. Life was easier. 
No more debating who should stay home from work when a kid was sick. No more rushing a kid off to daycare in the morning. No more leaving work to pick up the kid by, by the cutoff time. And no more cutting that big payment to someone else raising our kids. Overall, that was the most satisfied I have been thus far with my career, my whole life. I could provide for my family on my own. I didn't need my spouse's job. I definitely needed help on the home front. Lori was and is a fantastic mom. She was so good and still is to those kids. And those kids were some of the luckiest kids on earth. Bills were paid. Just that mortgage, which was manageable. It was good. It was really good. Pause the film. Review. And of course, the turning point. Why do we always want more? Despite being good, I had to have more. And despite the peace, the financial peace and satisfaction, I wanted a bigger house and, and, and I wanted to live by a, by a lake and I, I, I wanted a bigger truck. I, I wanted a vacation investment property. I want, I want, and I want. Well, I earned more. I actually started earning a lot more. And I was still able to maximize my 401k. On the flip, though, I was also spending like a crackhead that just found a bag of money. Fast forward, we were blessed with a third child, another blessed daughter. I was the uh, primary financial provider. And Lori was taking care of business at home. We were solid. And, and remember through that time, uh, Lori was dragging me to church. Actually, I, I was I was willing willingly going at that point, but uh, we were also attending certain marriage enrichment retreats and seminars. Uh, small groups uh, were definitely helping uh, uh, from the communication standpoint. <laughs> Learning point review review film film review. Just because you are going to church and tithing, well, okay, giving. Ponder that by the way, verse ones. Attending small groups and seminars does not take you off the hook. You can't be reckless with the key area of your life. It will catch up to you. And the owner's manual says, you will reap what you sow. Check Galatians 6, 7. So put into practice what you learn and, and, and learn from your mistakes and others' mistakes. Again, there are no wasted experiences for the wise. Don't let your ego and pride get in the way. That's been one of my biggest mistakes. Follow, truly follow the owner's manual of life. And furthermore, just because you're getting some of it, you're feeling pretty good and cocky, doesn't mean you get all of it. There's always room for improvement. And as I compose this, I, I still don't get all of it. You, you hear me still learning new things. Um, I'm like a toddler that, that, that moved from two to three-year-olds to, to, to the four and five-year-olds. I still make mistakes. Again, check Rome 323. Now, once our child, 
our third child hit kindergarten age, uh, Lori was craving the work world again. And and by the way, <laughs> empathy to the stay-at-home parent, you don't get inner office way to goes and, and, and corporate rewards while being a full-time parent. And remember that jerk that didn't want his wife to stop working? Well, now I become the jerk that didn't, didn't want my spouse to go back to work. We actually argued over that. And I guess you can call me 180 boy. It, it was an end of an era. So Lori found a job and we went back to double income again. And to be frank, more money just meant more temptation to spend, at least for, for me. Moving on to, to, to keeping up with the Joneses and, and, and the American dream, we now strive to live in a 3,000 square foot house with, uh, plus by the way, with, with many flat panels and a three car garage and, you know, the, the vacations every year. It, it seemed like our, our neighbors were going to Mexico or Jamaica every year. We, we, we wanted to do that. We, we ate out several times per week and that stuff adds up. Yeah, trying to keep this PG here. So we were doing many things right. As for the material world, we were getting lost in it. And the more things we acquired, the more problems that seemed to happen. So pause. Let's review the film again. I earned a lot of money. I spent a lot of money. And according to the American way, I was doing a lot of things right. I was maxing out my 401k. I had over $100,000 in my home account. I had credit cards and was paying them off every month initially. Credit lines expanded. I, I felt invincible. I, it felt like monopoly money to me. Two mortgages were nothing. So, and then of course got the, 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 the HELOC, the home equity loan, that 160,000 due improvements, cars, trucks, a boat, jet skis, all loans and or leases, not paying cash for any of it, living the American dream. 2008, going into 2009, boom. If you want a history lesson, watch The Big Short. It's a, it's a movie for about the, it's just a crucial history lesson. It is rated R, by the way, for anyone that's uh, concerned about that. But I, I love that movie. It's it's so well done, and it's also a painful reminder for me. And actually, it should be for this country. It, it, in fact, it, the, the, the entire United States financial infrastructure almost melted down. You probably don't realize that because it, 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 it actually was uh, some bailouts that actually helped buoy things. But prior to the collapse, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't, I guess I was wondering how people earning far less than us were affording these big, huge houses. And it turns out the banks were handing out mortgages, mainly not qualified, like they were candy. And then they were able to insure them to the point where they would sell them off to another who would insure them and then sell them off to another, repeat and repeat and repeat. In my na naivete, I was thinking, this housing market is never going to go down. Prices kept going up. And little to my knowledge then, a lot of it was fueled by faulty mortgages. But me, 
By the way, being the financial genius, tongue in cheek, <laughs> bought near the peak my latest properties and then collapse. Wells Fargo, Bank of America, JP Morgan Chase, Citi, yeah, all of them, and many more, many more big banks and investment firms. And then also major manufacturers, General Motors, uh, AIG, the major insurance company that were called too big to fail, got their bailout. But no bailout for this total fool. Pause. Film review. Uh, we'll get into the banks a little bit later. Just again, yeah, I was a fool. And, and listener, sometimes life just isn't fair. And for some, it just comes easier. Uh, for me, though, I did reap what I sowed, and and uh, so I, ultimately, I got I got to point the finger at myself. And there's more to it. There's more reflection, and and we'll get into it. But this is the end of part one, and uh, so let that soak in a little bit. And if you know anyone that uh, is a, a new earner and, and striving to be a, a better saver and giver, then feel free to share. Um, Learn, learn from my failure. For the wise, there are no wasted experiences. All right. Hey, by the way, we're not done with the dirt yet. But this might be a part one, part two, part three. We'll see. For questions, for date night or couple small group time, here you go. Number one, what is your 600-pound life? What decision do you, or decisions do you wish you could go back in time and reverse? What previous decision or neglect has been weighing you down? Pause and reflect. Number two, do you view past mistakes with that view shared by Dr. Loritz? Do you share with others what didn't work and what you did or are doing to correct it? So again, do you view past mistakes with the, that same view shared by Dr. Loritz viewing the game film? Do you share what didn't work and what you did or are doing to correct it? Share and reflect. Pause and reflect. Number three, this one's a doozy. And by the way, if you're in a group, this might be harder to do. Uh, maybe this is for yourself first. What has your spouse done that really hurt or still hurts? What has your spouse done that really hurt or still hurts? Has it been revolved? Have you forgiven? If it still lingers, have you consulted a professional, a pastor, or a trusted counselor or therapist to help you navigate? Pause and reflect. So that's it for part one. Thank you again for tuning in. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for your input at frydudes.com. And yeah, that's this is heavy. By the way, we're not done. There's, there's still some more dirt to be shared out of a piece of this testimony. So, um, yep, more on its way. And for those 
in marriage, holding on to grudges, even if you're not in marriage. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. Oh, snap. (laughs) Ponder that as you look at each other. And lastly, for the more serious cases, if you're in danger, please find safety. Safety first. Forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean restoration. Not right right away. Not without some change, if it's that serious. And for you that it's not so serious, well, then just give thanks and be conscious of which direction you're going with your relationship. Now go serve, forgive one another.